Hi, everyone. This is Ann Doherty, your host of Current, an energy podcast with Illum Advising. I am also the co-founder of Illum Advising, and today we have a really special podcast for you where my fellow co-founder, Sarah Konzemius, and I reflect on what it means to be nine years old and to be celebrating what we're calling our tween anniversary of Illum. Rather than talking your ear off in this intro, We'll jump right into a conversation between Sarah and I as we reflect on what it means to be nine as a company and how that's changed both the company that we are and the people that we are as leaders. Hope you enjoy it. Okay. Got it. All right. It's okay. official. We're recording our we nine recording. year podcast. <laughs> Here we are. Here I feel we jealous. Are. Your coffee is still full and hot, and mine oh. is empty and cold. <laughs> cold and it empty. Makes you feel better. Mine is full and cold because I couldn't. I was so overheated from my workout that I had to ice my coffee. Or I couldn't bear <laughs> to drink it, and so I, and I need it fast. Yeah, <laughs> I need it really fast. That's one of those mornings. I feel like I have to have hot coffee in the morning, even if it's, you know, 103 degrees and humid. I'm like, it's not right if it's not hot. So you go in and they're like, iced? I'm like, absolutely not. (laughs) Who are you, heathen? Crazy people. (laughs) Morning. (laughs) It's true. I order, I usually order it hot, but this is really about survival. Like, survival. (laughs) How fast can I drink this? (laughs) oh excellent oh my gosh which I guess is just what it's like now to be running a company you and I nine years which is I know all about caffeine and getting it done (laughs) getting it done can you believe it though it makes me feel really old we're not yet in the double digits but we're pulling up on a decade which is wild. yeah that is wild it is it is super wild. And when, um, you know, you had the question about like what pops into your head and I was just exchanging some messages with my cousin, who's I think daughter is going into middle school and it feels Mm. like she was just born. And she had that, you know, made that comment about how the days are long and the years are fast. Yeah. And I think that's immediately what I thought of when I, when I saw that question of like, what does it feel like? It feels like the days have been really long, but the years have gone really fast. I can't even believe it's been nine years. It just, it just feels like, I think because of how intense and sort of um, adrenaline filled, maybe the first few years were, they feel really close yeah, Like it wasn't that long ago that we were sort of living in that level of intensity. Um, but then I'm like, holy smokes, it's nine years. It's a long time. I know. <laughs> and I think about it too, just in terms of how much our lives have changed. So there's the company's evolution, right? Which is yeah, it, something in and of itself. And it was just you and I, and then now we're 40 plus at this point about, about, yeah, and, about, um, about it's wild. And then But then I was thinking about our kids and like where we were as young parents and how young our families were and all the weird twists and turns our personal lives took in nine years that we couldn't have even imagined. 
you know, EJ is about to graduate. I mean, not yet, but it's close. And he's Quinn's nine already. months out. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> happening. <laughs> Quinn's about to be 21, like a full yeah. proper adult. I was laughing because I was like, I've, I mean, sort of had three last names, not that I've changed any of them, but, <laughs> you know, I was holding on to one, yeah. went back to the other. And now there's another one in the mix, but it's um, nine years is a long time in life. It is. It is. It really is. And it's like we've sort of gone through these um, for what feels like to me really important phases in just having a family in general, right? With yeah. your kids are going through those developmental ages while also building this company. And, yes. Um, to me, that is one of the most astounding things. You know, we've moved a couple times. Eric's about to head off for his fellowship. Joni's in her last year of middle school. It's just um, incredible what what nine years does. It really is, and and like for the our lives, and then for the company, you know how how different it is, and maybe what's the same, yeah. which is um, interesting to think about. I sometimes some days I think the only thing that's the same is you and I, um, <laughs> but obviously <laughs> as we just talked about, we're also very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's true. You know, when I think about it, you know, I, you know, I think we launched the company with this very clear vision, right. That we always talk about, which is like bringing people to the center of these challenges, not to say that we're only looking at the human side alone, but that the, that piece has to always be centered and present, you know, and I think when we launched nine years ago, so much of that conversation was centered around like really specific ideas around what it meant to do that kind of work, like, uh, certain types of programs, like behavioral programs, sort of mm-hmm. the first thing people thought of, um, very specific um, ideas around the types of evaluation that we would do, the way that we looked at problems. And they were still very technology centered and we were really working to try to insert those discussions around thinking about customers and thinking about the needs of people. And yeah. nine years later, you know, our country and our industries had to contend with so many new topics and new issues, uh, particularly around social justice and around, you know, reckoning with racial injustices. And finally, people are starting to think about the societal needs and benefits of all these investments. Um, But it really took, you know, what, seven years, at least (laughs) to get there, at least since seven years of the evolution of our business to really get there and take it seriously. For sure. I mean, I feel like it's a weird moment because for those of us who have been doing this a while, right? Like 20, gosh, I almost hate to like 24 years almost now I've been in the industry and it took, it moved so slow in terms of sort of public reckoning around the needs. And, you know, you were sort of the lone people out there being like climate, (laughs) Um, you know, people are like, oh, we don't have to worry about that. And then to see, as you said, like the last seven years have been so, there's been so much turmoil, but to see how fast (laughs) in these last few years, things have moved, where suddenly like electrification is part of everyday conversation. Mm -hmm. And not that long ago, it was like, oh, that's a fringe thing. Yeah, we're we're not ready to talk about it. Um, it's been a really dramatic few years, and and that change is amazing. And I think you're right. 
the way we grounded the company um, has, has, I think, helped our company and our team sort of be ready for that change because all these things, as you said, are human-centered, um, regardless of the technology components of it. Yeah. Yeah. In many ways, I think we are fortunate to have been asking those questions for a long time Mm -hmm. and have been building a conversation publicly around these topics for a long time. Our clients know we care about these issues and the industry knows that we have a voice. And that's, I think, one of the things that we can be most proud of, not just as founders, but in terms of the team and everyone who's contributing to this work because everyone I think knows, most people know, if they know us, they understand our point of view and the way that we approach things. And the parts that I think are really interesting as you, you know, alluded to that we do that so many people are sort of unaware is the way that we're really engaging with tech and engaging mm-hmm. with issues around um, tech transfer and um, research and development activities to try to really promote these new and emerging technologies related to electrification microgrids, uh, you know, electric vehicles, servicing equipment, and all these other things that I don't think people associate with the loom, but because we're in such a challenged moment in terms of understanding what the market will accept and how we transform markets, the competencies of behavior and the competencies of thinking about the market opportunity, just not in addition to, I should say, the technical feasibility is really needed in this moment. And we're fortunate to have a team that can do both and does do both really well. Um, Yeah, I was gonna say that we have some of the best people in in this space for this moment right now. And of course that's like saying I have the best kids, but I think it's true. Like we really do have have some of the best people in the industry ready to tackle these problems and and to your point that can marry the technical piece with the human side of it and that's it's been um cool to watch that team come together and watch how folks have grown together and who's come in how they've added to um i would say the sort of collective capabilities of our team has been pretty pretty amazing and the fact that so many of the people have come in in the last few years in a moment that was particularly hard maybe to transition and to, to, to um, meld with a team when, you know, we're all, all over the place and working remotely and all those fun things. But our team has, has been um, pretty incredible through all this and just gotten even stronger, which has been, um, I think, a gift. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and like you said, it's like saying you have the most amazing children, but we can be like, oh, we all yeah. have the right to say that, right? <laughs> but one thing that I think really stands out with our team is that everyone's really invested and they care. Mm-hmm. They really care. And so no one's showing up to work just to do, just to do the work or to get the work done, but really to contribute and to do great work. And, um, if anything, I think that has been sort of the greatest challenge to our team as well is how much they they do care. Yeah. And again, this is going to sound like one of those like uh, bad interview questions, like, "What is your greatest fault?" Well, I care too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. But no, it's true. I mean, I think as we were managing through through the pandemic and through these really strange times, our team never lost sight of the importance of the work and what 
what the work is contributing to society. And I think some, and even sometimes to our detriment, it's hard to um, dial back when you really understand and feel committed to uh, making a contribution as well. And so managing, I think that and managing uh, people's uh, sense of well-being amidst all of these uh, really incredible changes societally that we've lived through in the past, you know, three years. It's just been, I think, our greatest challenge as leaders, yeah. certainly. I mean, I was thinking about it, Sarah. We've spent almost a third of the company's life in a post-pandemic environment or in a pandemic environment where COVID existed and has existed. Right. And it's um, really wild to think about because it seems like that arrived very late in the game for Loom, like we had already been established. But if you consider our company was pretty young when all of this hit, like six, seven years old at that point, it's really mm -hmm. something to ponder, like reflect on. In what ways it do you is, think that it's changed us as a company or our perspective? It's interesting because a, a, maybe a year into the pandemic, um, I did an interview for a, a local Madison magazine, right? It's the local Madison magazine, it's the local magazine. And a lot of it was focused on like, what has changed about how your company works and your leadership style and what you're offering your team in light of the pandemic. And at that moment, in a lot of ways for us, it had been a, a somewhat easy transition. You and I have never lived in the same city. We've always had a remote working relationship. We set up the company with the capabilities to do that. So I think at first it sort of felt like, oh, you know, we got this, we can do this. It's just going to be sort of what we've been doing. But I think um, in terms of what the pandemic meant for the workforce more broadly and what has come of it more in the latter half of the pandemic, where we talk about, you know, what employees need and um, meeting people where they are given the last two years. And even, you know, the, the, the great resignation, which we kind of have to name and, you know, people looking for different things in life. I think that um, it's, it's caused a lot of companies to have to have to think about how to make sure they really are not just paying lip service to, but actually investing in the resources of their talent. And I, I still feel like we were fortunate because we came into it with that approach. You know, we had we had been in work environments where we definitely felt like the needs of the talent of us was was way behind the company. Mm -hmm. um, the company needs. And so we had really tried to work on that. But in terms of, you know, where we are now, we still learned a lot and had to learn a lot. And I think that's been the greatest challenge for me as a leader. And I, I think for you as well as a leader, the last few years is like, how, how do we balance the needs of the team and fulfillment for our staff with the needs of the company and the needs of the industry we're serving and meeting our mission. Um, and I, I, you know, don't have a, <laughs> the best answer yet. If I did, Anne, we'd have um, a oh. whole nother opportunity oh, to solve this problem for companies. Um, but it has really caused me to think about what is the role of company and leadership in people's lives uh, more broadly and what is the balance where do we support people and where 
can't we support people and be okay with it, which Mm -hmm. maybe sounds a little hard, but we're in a moment where it, at times it feels like people expect employers to sort of be the answer to all and everything. And, um, thinking about that as a leader, it's a lot and it Mm -hmm. um, some days can be overwhelming, but it also allows us to think about where really can we provide that support and care for our team in ways that maybe we hadn't in the past or that sort of traditional business operations hadn't in the past. So it's really changed my perspective insofar as like being even more people centered, which I think we Mm -hmm. were, um, So it's almost kind of hard for me to say like even more, but like, what do we do to care for people? So like we brought in our people champion who's just really focused on what's the experience for our team and our employees and prospective employees. And we've been thinking about um, the experience more as a full life cycle from the first time they hear about us to when they're off working at another company, maybe in our industry and what's our relationship like. And I think that's been sort of the biggest, like, broadening the view of employee experience to to things outside the bounds of their actual time with us. Um, I said a a lot there. (laughs) No, but it's a really important point because I do think the great resignation has also forced a certain amount of um, perspective and humility as an employer on on Mm -hmm. all of us as employers, right? So you you sort of, I think we all had to sort of, I think, move from a model of uh, presuming that our team is going to stay to assuming that our team is going to leave mm-hmm. or if not leave, just, um, you know, come to grips with the fact that everyone is in a moment where, as you said, they're reassessing their lives and they're reassessing what matters to them. And that's important work. And we want people to do that because ultimately we want people to be happy and we right. don't want we don't want anyone working for us really if they don't feel like they can be happy with us and that's not for us as a company although it does impact the company it's more that we wish the best for the people who choose to um, work with us right for our colleagues right. and um, I think that shift in perspective of not taking people for granted is really kind of what you're discussing right which is that mm-hmm. we have to really focus on uh, what we can provide and and thinking about that end-to-end experience and nurturing it. I mean, we at Nine Years even have some boomerang employees, right? So we right. want to also be mindful that people may choose to come back and work with us. And that's such a gift, right? And a testament to the company that people want to come back to Loom. Um, I have thought a lot about this too, in terms of, as you said, like figuring out what we can and can't do and the the like mental picture that I keep coming back to is that we're creating like a vessel or an environment in which we're trying to cultivate people's success professionally and ideally that they feel whole in that. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much that we can do. So for example, we can't extend to someone's personal happiness or joy. They have to identify that for themselves and that we can support them in their journey of finding that from an employment standpoint. Right. Right. Um, And that, again, is like a different perspective because you and I have always wanted to really, I think, um, help as much as possible, right? And to really keep people with us as much as possible. And I think now I just sort of recognize that our job is to do the best we can while they're with us. Right. and, And support them in all phases of their employment journey, which, like you said, might not be with us. And I, I know you and I both, we do, you know, we do all the reading, 
course, subscribe <laughs> to all the all the newsletters for like, you know, people who are running companies. And yeah. Yeah, I think of like HBR and entrepreneur and all the articles and the, you know, with this conversation about, you know, what's the employee employer relationship and what do people need from work? It, it is all often very focused on like big companies, right? Big yeah. companies who either weren't doing those things before and now need to do those things or can do sort of exceptional things because they have that Right. Bank behind them. For, um, and I, I think there is, um, it's a particularly challenging moment for small businesses who, who don't have those types of resources and who have often been more employee centric because we have to be right. That's, right. that's our resource. That's what we provide to the market in particular in consulting. It is our team. Um, and so I, I have appreciated um, all that learning. And I've also appreciated that our team, you know, has been willing to share with us where they're coming from in these moments. And I think that we've had to learn through a combination of, of experiences and resources. And, um, it will be interesting to see, you know, as this goes along for the small business, how, how we can continue to sort of be the quiet leaders and how you should treat employees. Um, and then you read the articles that are saying, do all these things. And we're like, we, we, we've been doing it, but quietly it's as true. small businesses. I think you're right. And you think small businesses is really, have really been in the, out in front of these challenges. Like you said, mm-hmm. even just the distributed workforce conversations right. and all of this debate, like is hybrid best? Can people work from home? It's just willy nilly. People do whatever they want. And I feel like we have a lot to say around those things because we've been in this experiment for nine years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. We know the the pros and cons of having people work remotely. We know the benefits of in-person interactions and what that can do for people's happiness and satisfaction. And we also know the benefits of working from home and what that can do. And a lot of it comes down really to the person in many ways. Right. Um, yeah. And I do think though it's, as small businesses, just having a voice and really tending to um, where we're picking up the slack also for the sort of failure of our civic leaders and providing things to um, their constituents that employers are now being asked to step forward on. So, I mean, that's everything from, you know, the basic expectations of healthcare to um, parental leave, which, you know, is a very generous and costly thing for a small business to do, but something that we value and believe in to um, even thinking about medical stipends in ways that we support Mm -hmm. people as laws change state to state to get access to critical care and services that maybe are not covered um, under insurance or um, other, um, you know, uh, or for other reasons. Or illegal in your state, (laughs) exactly. And what it means to, to provide consistent consistent benefits, but also consistent care, right? To say like, we value this enough and we care about your well-being enough that we're going to provide this benefit. And um, those things take time, they cost money. They take, I mean, you know, an incredible amount of consideration, legal consult, all those things. And and I think that we're going to see that small businesses, you know, again, continue to lead, as you said, on that front. When you think about... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I read recently that 
one of the places where businesses are cutting back is actually in those paternal care and maternal care benefits. They're cutting back on paid leave. Um, and it, it just feels like a crazy moment to say like, hey, we're going to save uh we're going to save money by cutting back on resources to parents. I think it was something like it was a 20% drop in the last year in wow. companies offering paid maternity leave. And I've been proud of us that we've been able yeah. to not only maintain that, but it's, it's any parental leave, any parent, how yeah. you become a parent that we've continued to offer that paid leave. And um, it, 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 has been one of the things I've been most proud of us as a company is how yeah. we've thought about all these things that you were just talking about and making sure those types of benefits are maintained. Um, thinking about what is the impact, as you said, of these changes and laws in different states and how we can just make sure that our team has has real access to the care they need and, and the research that they need to support themselves and their families. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, you touched on it, but I think it's worth naming, you know, as everyone's also contending with, um, you know, issues of women in the workforce, uh, issues with gender, you know, trying to figure out how you accommodate, say, for example, non-binary employees mm -hmm. or employees who identify differently than um, male or female. And, um, and it's, to me, like we've always had these policies that were really gender neutral. Like it was sort of a no brainer to right. us that we wouldn't dictate what you get based on your body, but instead based on like the, the role that you're playing mm -hmm. in the life of a child. Right. And, right. Um, and it's funny to listen to folks really try to hash this out and to break those paradigms, you know, this idea that like only birth mothers, for example, should get to care for children in their infancy right like we know that it actually benefits let's just use that same ideology like a birth mother to have the option of a partner to support them right right <laughs> right if she's interested in re-entering the workforce then great like why not then support um their partner significant other spouse whomever that is co-parenting if they're in that situation so it um it's just interesting that we have such a, um, that, that the conversation is so limited and people are struggling so much in this moment to like step away from these old points of view to think right. more creatively about how you provide universal benefits and universal opportunity within an employment framework. Um, I think as you know, you and I um, have grown as leaders, we've always taken it really personally, meaning mm -hmm. we've never sought to just build a company, we were also seeking to be better leaders ourselves, right? And to yeah. grow as employers. As you think about your own growth as a person in the last nine years, what would you say is the thing that has changed the most? Or is there anything that sort of stands out to you as either just a, a person in the world or as a leader of the company that you feel like is a real difference than, um, you know, what, what you were like when we started nine years ago? I think I say this every year, um, but it is the amount of work it takes <laughs> to really lead. And it sounds like a, an odd thing to say because people are like, of course it's work. But um, I, I think it's the, the sort of really active role you have to play in maintaining a work environment and, and caring for your team. Um, in a way that is not about 
any of the work you actually do. And um, as a leader for me, and in terms of my own personal growth has been, it has been about being able to recognize that that is the work of leadership, which is, it, it does sound funny, but I think you and I both struggled with this at different points. Like we came into this as subject matter experts in the energy industry. Like we were known for our expertise around this industry that we serve um, and having a knowledge that people felt valuable and turned to us for. And, um, as a leader, almost having not let go of it, you know, we still want to know the industry we serve, but recognizing that the main thing I have to do, the most important thing I can do is not necessarily be that leader. We have a team of or expert and we have a team of folks who can do that. Yeah. It is about um, the being someone who's entirely focused really on the care of the team and the company and balancing that and that that has become my job. I think nine years ago, if you had said like, you're really, you're not going to be the energy expert in our company in nine years, I'd have been like, oh, push off. I am. That's what I (laughs) I will always be. I will always be. And I am definitely not now. I am now becoming an expert in, you know, running a company and that enterprise leadership and how, how to think about things, how to balance the needs of team and company. Um, So I think that's the thing that has surprised me the most for myself. And also just about company growth, you go into it a little, um, uh, it's, you know, you go into starting a company, I think pretty unaware of what it actually means to run a company. And it's, it's, it's maybe naive. You're like, I'm an expert in a thing. I'm going to start a company. And I've talked to so many business owners about this and that you and I have talked about it, that suddenly one day you find yourself, I'm now an expert in running a company, not really that thing. (laughs) And um, you have to be, that's like, that's the thing you have to be. And I think that's been my biggest change. And it's also been the thing that has surprised me the most, um, as we've grown the business and we've become a company mm-hmm. that's about to hit double digits, that, that it is an entirely different skill set, And it, um, is the constant learning process. Yeah, exactly. And what's fascinating about it, what has been interesting for me is that, you know, when you operate as a subject matter expert, that's a very public and visible contribution, Mm -hmm. both to the industry, but also within the company. I think as you move, as we move toward really company leadership, that is a quiet role if you're doing it it well, right? So you're spending so much time and energy making sure that this, again, like environment is what you want it to be, that the team is being served so that they can go out and be these like excellent subject matter experts. And instead you, you almost um, recede more, like you, Mm -hmm. you almost start more successful, the less space you're taking up so that people within the company have an opportunity to grow. And I think it's um, relatively young leaders. For me, that's been a very humbling activity as well, and has required so much uh, soul searching and self-awareness to make sure that my ego isn't getting in the way of other people's opportunities, that I'm not grasping for that limelight to um, to sort of fulfill that that sort of public feeling, right? Or that right. sense of worth and relevance and instead like giving that opportunity to other people. And it was a really interesting thing for me to recognize, at least for myself, that 
the more space I take up in that way, the more I'm sort of cutting off opportunity for individuals in my team, but also the company overall, because growth can't happen with just a couple experts. You need right. a team that really shows up and shines. And in some ways that's been sort of the coolest thing to be able to do. And then, as you mentioned, developing this whole other area of expertise in mm-hmm. enterprise leadership and thinking about uh, strategy, focusing on how we want to show up for the industry, but doing that through other people right. rather than just ourselves. I, it's I, such a shift. It is. I love the way you said that, like the, the sort of the, the more you grow as a leader, the less space you should take up. And, you know, our, I, again, we, I mean, you and I both spend a lot of time delving into what's going on in the industry, but it's just in a different way. It's from the perspective of what does this mean for this company versus how do I take it, me, Sarah, take it to a client, which I, um, isn't my role anymore, but I think so many leaders forget that, or they don't follow that advice is that, you know, you should start to take up less space. It should be about the folks on your team who are, we're lucky are so, so exceptional at what they do and so talented. So I mentioned like we're heading, we're heading into 10, uh, 10 years. So what do you want to achieve before we hit 10, which is coming fast? (laughs) You know, we have so many exciting changes afoot that I don't know that we'll be public yet by the time we <laughs> launch this podcast, but coming soon. Um, I'm really excited to see some of the new leadership um, roles that we've established in Illumin to see mm-hmm. where those take us. I'm really, really excited to watch people shine in those roles and to yeah. figure out personally uh, how to best support them in developing that um, leadership in themselves. I am also very excited about all of our talent. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, as we mentioned, this is a weird time. There's been a lot of changes for everybody, and I feel like I have this unrelenting, sunny optimism about it. Like I'm that that Lego figure in the Lego movie. <laughs> like everything is awesome. Everything right? is awesome. <laughs> My, my cup of coffee is empty, so that's not awesome anymore. <laughs> but um, but I just um, I just feel a, like a real sense of opportunity and positivity because there's just this incredible wealth of talent and excitement mm-hmm. in our team um, that that I've you know we've never had before. That it really is a very different company than what we had previously. The diversity of knowledge, expertise, lived experiences, it's just so cool to see happen. So I'm super excited about that. And I think you'll see a loom, you listener, we'll see a loom show up in <laughs> unexpected ways. We are again, really leaning more into R&D and tech transfer. We're taking lead on projects that we never had before. We're um, really expanding our engagement in more of the policy realms and helping organizations think about really tough challenges like community engagement, equity, resilience. And so um, I'm just I'm just really excited to see even what our project portfolio evolves into by year 10. And these are all things I would never have fathomed when we launched. If you would have said, hey, Ann and Sarah, your company is going to look like this, I would have said, no way. Like that's that's too big, too ambitious, too, you know, exactly. unlikely. too big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too big. Mostly 
too big. Well, when we started it, I think we were like, yeah, you know, 30 people would be great. And as you said, at the beginning of this, we're edging up on 40. And I think, you know, coming into the next few years, we'll, we'll be adding even more people. We still, I think we both still have a vision of this. You know, we're not, we're not taking this to the grand scale. We do want everyone to know everyone's name um, <laughs> to talk harken back to an old cheers reference, but um, right. it, I agree with everything you said. I'm excited about all those things too. And I'm excited about where, you know, the fact that we have these, um, we actually have movement at the federal level around yeah. climate and, you know, the inflation reduction act and hoping to see real benefits from that coming out and real change happening. And, um, you know, the infrastructure bill and seeing, at the federal level, a focus on who's who's benefiting from these investments. Um, I think that that is a game changer, and it's going to, you know, we are we are so well suited to serve in that work. Yeah. And our team, I, 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 as you said, I believe we have the team of folks who can who can really help um, make sure that those investments are leading to benefits for all, for all folks. So it's really cool. And it's, um, it sort of feels like standing on the edge of a, I don't even want to feel like a precipice, like, but it's cool. It's like, or maybe it's more like, you know, we're halfway up the mountain and enjoying this amazing view. And we still know that there's going to be an even better, um, more spectacular vision at the summit. And it's really exciting to sort of be, be on that way. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I feel like that's a great place to end <laughs> because, I, because it's true. We're on our way, and hopefully, in you know, a year when we check in and have the same conversation, we will be, you know, looking like you said at that sort of summit level and seeing all of the cool things that we've created with our team and um, and celebrating again our yeah. move into tweendom as a community. And- Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully like a big party. You gotta have a party oh, yeah. 10, right? With hot we coffee. We have to. With hot, hot coffee. coffee. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of coffee, I'm going to go get some more. So All right. <laughs> with that. Me too. Go ahead and end. But happy, is it birthday or anniversary? Anniversary, I, I guess. Happy anniversary. Happy, yeah. happy ninth anniversary. Nine's a good number. So. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Alumiversary, yeah. yes, and yes. happy um, Alumiversary to all the Illuminati on our team. Yes. You're all part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right. Go get that coffee. I'm off. I'll talk to you. All right, okay. bye. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to celebrate with us today. Current is produced by Illum's production team. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. We hope you listen in next time. Take care.